What's up, my podcast of listeners? This is your host, Rafael Matyshevsky, and this episode is going to be a compilation episode, but I wanted to bring two specific episodes back to light, episode 99 and episode 101. Um, what I've learned in the last few years is the absolute importance when it comes to mental health. And these two episodes were kind of the first, um, how I would say it, kind of the first time I even expressed anything on my podcast or any kind of uh, posts on social media about mental health. And these are not so much um, episodes that will help and give you direct advice for any kind of specific situation, but more so to share my story. And funny enough, I was reading a a new article written by Mike Boyle today about the 40 lessons in 40 years. And one of the lessons that he wrote down was, you know, being scared to talk about his own story, his own struggle, his own experiences. Whereas, you know, he could talk about strength and conditioning and fitness all day long, but when it came to himself, um, he was always kind of hesitant to, you know, express that, which is kind of interesting to me because I feel like he's one of those people that is so well put together. But, you know, the more I've learned through this industry and in my career, everyone is dealing with some sort of thing and we just carry this heaviness inside us while we try to put on an exterior to be socially acceptable and you know I've been through I would say some parts of my life where I felt barely like an actual functioning human being and barely a person so um I was really kind of thinking about what I wanted to do for this week's episode and I really wanted to dive into the mental health aspect and you know I don't think I've done enough episodes on this specific topic so I wanted to bring two um, back up again where I kind of started the the process and started doing more episodes on this because I feel especially now us going through this pandemic and slowly recovering we're all dealing with some sort of demon inside right now and I think we need more content out there that really focuses on the mental health aspect because it trickles into so many things in our lives. And the last thing we need is another three exercises for better glutes. And sure, you know, I've posted shit like that, but um, this is the stuff that really matters and what most people really, really need. So These two episodes in particular, I share my story dealing with depression and what I call the dark side of the moon, um, where I go into detail about a really dark time in my life dealing with past, um, I'll call them demons. Um, And it was interesting when I, I remember when I first posted that I actually had someone reach out to me and started asking me a bunch of questions. And, you know, I was like, you know what, let's just get on a zoom call. And that was 
years before Zoom was popular and years before people um, were so open getting onto a call. Because I remember before Zoom and before the pandemic, asking someone to go on a Zoom call was like the strangest thing. And people thought you were like some weirdo wanting to do a video chat and you're on the other side of the world. But, you know, nowadays it's super easy. But I remember this person reaching out and we ended up going on a Zoom call and chatting for like an hour and a bit. And it was such a great um, conversation. And they were really like happy that I even brought up this whole concept of mental health on my podcast. And, you know, that was the moment where I was like, you know what, I'm going to really focus on my mental health. I'm going to help my clients with their mental health and try to stop this stigma that, you know, if you go to a counselor or a psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever it is, that it's not a bad thing. Um, I've learned a lot about myself over the years when it comes to this and, Finally, because I, if you've been listening to my podcast, I've always wanted to go see a counselor and, you know, ended up doing it, um, maybe two years ago, year ago, I can't remember how long ago it was, but, um, life changing. And, you know, I would encourage everyone listening that if you haven't tried, definitely go find someone good, ask around, like, you'd be surprised how many people would actually end up messaging you or texting you um, that they see a counselor and they absolutely swear by them and, you know, have a good uh, relationship with them. So before you even listen to this entire episode, I would highly recommend you go seek one out. And, you know, sometimes it's just a good opportunity to let out everything that you're feeling and just get validated for your feelings because, the biggest thing that I learned is whatever you're feeling right now is valid. There's nothing wrong about how you're feeling in this present moment, the moment you are listening to this. If you're sad, angry, frustrated, lost, feeling like you're lost, feeling like you have no hope, feeling like you don't know how you're going to make it through this week because of X, Y, and Z. 100%, that's 100% valid of a feeling. And you should not try to hide those feelings. You should not try to, you know, put this fake face on every single day. When people ask you how you're doing, you don't have to be like, yeah, you know, good. You can say like, you know, not the best today. And that person that asked you how you are, they're going to be taken aback and be like, oh, shit, what's going on? then you might have a life-changing, you know, conversation. Because, hell, if someone said they were not doing good, I'd be like, what's going on? What can I do? What can I do to help? And the things that I've learned over the years is that if you don't ask, if you don't reach out, if you don't make someone's day, you never know what can happen. So, um Mental health is a huge, huge, huge passion of mine, and I want to jump on this as soon as possible in my podcast and continue talking about it. And, you know, who knows, maybe get a counselor or two on my podcast to 
open up to these conversations. But um, let's get into these two episodes because I've been rambling on for about eight minutes and you guys are probably sick of me. So here's two episodes, episode 99 about my own depression and episode 101 where I felt super trapped, super down on myself and probably in the biggest hole of my life. So without further ado, here we go. So the thing and topic that I want to talk about today, which is really, really important to me, is this topic of depression. And, you know, I am no way certified, qualified or anything like that to give recommendations, to diagnose, to anything on a professional level when it comes to mental health. But as a person who has been through depression and multiple times actually, I can share my own personal story, my own personal struggle, and I wouldn't say I've overcome it, but there was ways for me to get by to keep going each and every day. Um, I think I'll share, you know, a couple I'll share a couple like own personal experiences, but the thing I want to get my point across is there's this weird thing when it comes to mental health. Like, you know, if you were in a conversation with someone and they're like, hey, you want to hang out on this day, Sunday, whatever, and you're like, oh, I can't because I'm going to go to my therapist. People look at you like, whoa, like what's wrong with you? Whereas if you said, oh, I'm going to go to my naturopath, I'm going to go to my physio, I'm going to go see my Cairo, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, good luck. Hopefully you feel better. But when it comes to seeing a professional, what's like going on here, it's like, oh shit, like there's something really wrong with you. And in reality, there is a shit ton of stuff wrong with us that we don't, you know, show to people. Whereas if it's a physical injury or a skin condition or any other kind of condition, it's like, oh, man, I really hope you're going to be okay or feel better. And hopefully, like, when you go to the doctor, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to mental health, it's like this whole different world. Like, you're a weirdo, which doesn't make sense to me, right? Um, We need to get past that, right? Like, we can't start looking at people differently if... They're fighting anxiety, depression, or whatever they're going through. It's it's just part of life. Everyone has gone through it. Even if you think you haven't, you probably didn't, just didn't notice it, and you didn't take the time to like sit down and be like, whoa, what happened to me this past month? Now, my first experience with depression would have been with, you know, when I was in high school and I was overweight and literally did not know what the hell was wrong with me. You know, I think the big thing there was I felt trapped. And I think when it comes to depression, a lot of people feel like the whole world is kind of caving in on them and they can't get out and they're almost like paralyzed. I think that's the best way to describe it is if you're depressed, you most likely feel paralyzed and you don't understand why it's happening to you, and you don't really know how to get yourself out. Like you're just stuck, 
and it's happening to you constantly. So when, in my example, when I was, it hit me hard in grade eight, you know, like all my friends were really, really fit and athletic. And I was this 200 pound kid that had no girls noticing them, girls calling me ugly, disgusting. I would never even think about you, blah, 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 blah. And that just like crushed me inside. You know, and some people might argue, like, oh, you just felt bad and sad about yourself. You're not depressed. No. Like, if this lasted for two years, feeling the same way, trapped and paralyzed, then that's depression. You can be sad about something for a few days, or if, like, you broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend and it was, you know, a couple days where you're like, ah, shit, this sucks. I don't feel like doing anything. But when you are depressed for, two years well sorry sad for two years that's depression if you can't get yourself out you don't feel like doing anything like being able to get out of bed and getting dressed is like a huge accomplishment accomplishment for you then that's depression and you know i don't know how i got out of it and i always think back to that one weekend where I decided that I'm going to stop feeling like complete shit and stop blaming myself and just change my life. I don't know how that happened, how that came out of me to better myself, but it did. And I'm so thankful of that whatever might have influenced me during that time that I don't remember. And I really wish I did to, in order to, you know, help other people to kind of get them out of that funk. Because as a coach, I've seen clients go through it. And again, I can't bring that up being like, hey, I've noticed you being depressed or sad or blah, blah, blah. But I can always say like, hey, what's going on? Um, but I wish I knew what it was to kind of get there. Um, I think the second time, the most recent time, was a moment in my career where I felt like my talents weren't being used effectively. I couldn't grow my business. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I couldn't create the freedom that I wanted to do. So I was pigeonholed, right? Like I couldn't move forward. And for me, kind of being like this entrepreneur, my main focus is always to be moving forward, even if it's laterally to the left or laterally to the right and then eventually going to my goal but you know as this entrepreneurial like dna in me wanting to always progress and go forward and having this force in front of me saying no constantly it, it took its toll over time and i think it was a good three months where i would wake up to go to work and I, I, just, I just felt like I couldn't do it. You know, I was like telling myself, like, what's the worst that could happen if I just kept sleeping and whatever, like, fuck it. You know what I mean? And the only thing that kept me going is that I had so many people counting on me who were my clients. And in my life, my clients are one of the most important things. And I always feel that I cannot let them down because... I'm like, they're almost like my children, you know, like I have to protect them. I need to make sure they're going the right direction, that they're being led and they won't be like 
they won't have any harm come to them. So that was the only thing that kind of got me through because I had people counting on me. And, you know, I remember there was times where, you know, after I train all my clients in the morning, come home and kind of work on my computer, I had no motivation, no nothing to even like answer an email. And for the people who know me personally, like I can easily wake up at 5 a.m. and just crush the entire day of work until 8 p.m. solid. And that can like would consist of like training clients for six hours that day and then getting my workout in, you know, walking my dog, crushing emails, programs, creating content, doing the podcast and everything like that. And knowing that that's going to take me to the next level of my career but having this force field in front of me where I couldn't progress my business and that is an entire different story that I will probably bring up down the road, but it's just too fresh right now for me. Um, yeah, like I just didn't have it in me to even answer an email when I got home and there was a lot of times where, you know, I would go work out and I wouldn't even listen to music. I just didn't have the motivation. There was times where, you know, one of my favorite things is to work out. And I've said it on my show a bunch of times that, you know, the difference between a trainer and a client is that a trainer wakes up and they're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to deadlift today. And then a client wakes up, they're like, oh, I have to work out today. And for the first time, actually in my life, I woke up thinking I have to work out today, just like any other client. Like I didn't want to. And I had to like physically force myself to get changed into my workout gear and try to lift. And most of the time I would be like, ah, not even done my warm up. Oh, I've already done two sets. I think that's enough. And like my workouts would go from, you know, an hour to an hour and a half to 30 to 40 minutes because I just, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get myself in the mindset to lift heavy and crush it. Like that was the first time that's ever happened to me. And I was like, fuck, what is going on? And there were so many nights where I couldn't sleep. Like I just felt like there was shit running in my mind all the time. And I could be exhausted because I'm a type of person where I have, if I have to wake up at 5 a.m., I feel like I could sleep for like six hours a moment, 2 p.m. hits. And, you know, I would get sleep for like three hours and then still work the full day the next day. And the clearest image of this time in my life would be like I would after my workout, I would go into the shower and stand there facing like the tile wall with my forehead against the wall, letting the water hit me and like literally just stand there for like 20 minutes and thinking like, what the fuck is going on? And I couldn't focus. I was, I just, I just didn't enjoy life. Right. And this whole idea of being paralyzed and trapped, it it overcame my life. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And, you know, like, thank God for my wife who is able to talk to me about this stuff and we have such an open relationship that she's helped me so much through a lot of my shit and you know today I look back at that moment in my career 
where I was like, if I still stayed in my previous career in that other gym, like, I don't think I could get out of that funk ever. I think it would take a toll on my marriage. It'd probably take a toll on my life. And who knows what could have happened. And thinking back to that moment of what was going on and kind of comparing it to my first experience with depression back in high school, there was a similarity of me almost changing. There was a moment where I felt like I needed to change. And if I had to give advice to someone whoever is depressed or is dealing with issues, if you ever get this like small little feeling in the back of your head or a small thought that runs through your brain where you felt like the only way to get out is changing one thing, like fucking jump on it because that is your lifeline. Like jump on that thing and just keep going. Um, Looking back at it, it's always been that little thought that I had to just jump in, leap 100% in, and it's always led me to some amazing change in my life, like life-changing stuff. So now I'm at a position where when I wake up, I, I can't wait to go to work, to see my clients, to be in the environment that I'm in, to work on new projects. Like I'm more busy than I've ever been in my life, and I absolutely love it. If I was this busy in my previous position, who knows what would have happened? You know, I, who knows? I, I always think of the worst case scenario, and that's what would probably have happened. So, you know, just being open like this, I, I already feel like there is like a huge weight lifted off of me. And I think for people dealing with any kind of mental health issue is just to be open with others. And it's easier said than done, even if it's one person, even if it's like, why don't you even do a vlog, a personal vlog to yourself just to be able to, you know, open up. And it might even sound stupid, but like, as you're driving your car, like talk to yourself. I do this all the time. Like I have all these thoughts running through my head all the time and just, you know, talking to yourself can help. Um, But I hope that anyone that's listening that is fighting any kind of depression, anxiety, or any other kind of mental issue, like you need to know that there's always a place for you in this world. There's always someone that is willing to help to listen to you there's always that lifeline like i mentioned that will come across your mind and you just need to see it and freaking grab onto it like it's your last chance because it's going to get you out and i hope that me rambling about this stuff helped at least one person or maybe made one person think about this topic a little differently and we're like okay that makes a lot of sense and i think i'm just going to end it there and if anyone wants to talk if anyone wants to reach out i am here like i have a lot of people listening to this podcast and i'm sure at least one person's dealt with some personal shit like this before 
and I am happy to email you back, message you back, or whatever it is, or even get onto a Skype call and just chat it out. Like, I'm in this business to help others, and it would be really shitty for me to be like, no, you need to pay me for me to help you. I'm here to help people. So if you want to reach out, feel free. I am going to sign off now. And um, So today, what I want to go through is... Um, the darker side of fitness business and this will be more towards the fitness professionals listening but at the same time I think all the people who listen to the show who are not coaches this will still give you some sort of insight of you know maybe what your coach goes through or just in general, how human beings interact with each other and sometimes surprise you. Um, I think in my last, you know, solo episode where I was talking about depression, um, I kind of mentioned about my previous work with my business partners of being kind of pigeonholed and couldn't progress the way that I wanted to. So to kind of give some, you know, context to what I'm going to be talking about, and just a heads up, I'm periodically going to be drinking the coffee that I'm drinking around because it's 3.30 in the afternoon, I'm starting to hit a wall, and I feel like I'm going to probably take a nap after this. So if out of nowhere I stop talking and start drinking, you'll know why. Um... So when I decided to start my own business, um, I was in a spot where my previous gym closed and I was like, oh shit, I have no job. I just bought a place. I have a mortgage now. How the hell am I going to live? But at the same time, it was really, really weird for me because I felt I felt okay about it because I still remember the day that I was told my gym was closing I called my wife and I was like I don't have a job but it was almost like a funny thing to me because I knew everything was going to be all right it was such a weird experience I don't know what was going through my mind but for some reason I just knew it was going to be okay so you know eight weeks go by um and I started my business but a little before that Uh, My former two bosses who ran the gym that I was at, um, you know, pulled me aside and said, you know, we lined you up a job at the other franchise locations of our gym. You can either take it, but we also have something else um, that you might be interested in. So to my two business partners, well, soon to be business partners, my two bosses uh, thought it would be a good idea to create a company together and have that as our umbrella company. And then underneath the umbrella companies would be our own separate companies. So we would all share costs of running a business and then be our own entities and do what we're really good at. And I was like, oh man, that sounds amazing, right? So I get to still work with my bosses and now they're my business partner. So I'm getting my two feet in as a business owner, running my own business like I've always wanted to. And 
I get to keep my costs low because we're going to be sharing the costs of different things that are going to pop up, and this is going to be great. So I was really, really, really excited to get onto my next kind of like chapter of my life and my career. So fast forward, you know, eight weeks down the road, and my goal was to train as many hours as possible to save enough money because the next thing in my life was to, you know, ask my girlfriend to be engaged to me and eventually have her wedding. So I'm like, oh shit, I need to work as much as possible to save up some money to get this wedding thing together. So when myself and my two business partners were looking for a space to train in the location we were at, um, we originally were going to start at the rec center and I started training some clients there. And because out of the three of us, I wanted to train as many hours as possible. So I wanted to work 35 hours of training per week just to save enough money. While the other two wanted to train maybe five to 10 while focusing on their kind of online entity, which is like whatever, cool. So I decided to go do both because I knew that you know online training and just having an online brand is very important when it comes to trainers or just the fitness industry in itself. So I did both. Um, we found one place um, where they were looking for contractor coaches. So when we went in there and met with the owner of the gym, he started talking to my one business partner. So my boss had experience with running a gym and contracts and everything on the business side that is not appealing to anybody else to learn. So he was kind of taking charge of all that kind of crap that I had no idea what was going on. I had no clue as much as I could read out of business books and things like that. Like when it comes to negotiations on how much money you're going to give to a gym to be able to train your clients in, I had no clue. So he took the charge of that, which is like, by all means, go for it. I have no experience. So then, you know, he would talk to them, talk to the, the owner of the gym. And then my business partner would tell me and the other business partner, you know, what the lowdown was, what do you think, should we go do it? And typically what you'll see if you wanted, as a coach, wanted to um, rent space from another gym owner, there's a couple different ways of doing it. From the gym owner side, if it was me, and I understand why some other gym owners do this, is they're going to draft up a contract and you're gonna be stuck there for a year. Now, this gives insurance for the gym owner because now he or she knows that they're gonna have this one trainer bringing in a certain amount of money and guaranteed um, rent for the gym. So there's two ways. So if there was the contract laid out, it's either gonna be a percentage or just a flat fee. Now, depending on the size of the gym, depending on some other different factors, the flat fee might be different. So say if the gym is just open to coaches coming in and training their clients, 
then the flat fee might be lower than a flat fee in a gym where they have you know regular people just coming in to get their workouts in because now you have people that you could sell to now a typical gym where you could just bring in your clients and there's no other people coming in can be anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month and you know if you're generating five grand to ten grand a month in revenue that's not so bad the other option is that some gyms will put a percentage on how much you bring in so say you are bringing in seven grand a month in personal training of revenue 20 percent of that would be 1400 a month that you just sign a check to the gym in order to train your clients and then all you would have to pay for is like some sort of payment processing system whether it be like paypal mindbody whatever it is uh, if you're using a training software, that's another fee. If you have to pay for liability insurance, because sometimes as a contractor, the gym's not going to include liability in that contract, so you might have to pay that out every month. And having those two options in a contract, you know, one year, it sounds like, oh, that's not a big deal. But you also have to think about other factors. You need to ask yourself, you know, do I want to stay in this environment for a year knowing that if something happens in the staff if there's you know who knows there's so many different things that could happen that might make you feel like you can't stay there any longer now i would highly 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 suggest meeting all the other coaches in the gym because they're probably you're probably not the first one see if you guys get along and if all things seem okay then yeah go for it sign that one year contract but still do not be married to the idea of you know staying there for an entire year that was my biggest mistake is signing a contract for a long period of time and then trying to get out of it i would instead try to negotiate where it's a month to month and you might have to pay a higher fee because of that but i rather have the freedom to up and leave no problem so these little things are the stuff that you don't ever read online you don't ever hear about when it comes to you know moving on to your own and starting your own business and finding a place to rent because starting your own gym costs too much so i would highly recommend doing a month a month or signing a three month you know trial contract with the gym owner to train your clients there because what if your clients don't like the environment what if you know your training style is completely different than what you do or vice versa whatever the gym you know uh, owner other coaches that he has there they're only into crossfit and you're the functional guy that is trying to teach someone how to split squat properly without pain right so you got to think about all those different factors so in my case when we first got in there we just had a basic month to month um percentage and i believe it was 20 percent, which wasn't bad so if you are bringing in seven grand a month in personal training that's 1400 in rent and then you're just paying your expenses so what i had was a schedule and 
payment processing system, a training software, liability insurance, and you know, I put money away for accounting fees, bookkeeping, um, little stuff that you don't ever think about. Um, and even um, put a, setting aside money for like cash flow. So I'm not putting all the money that I make into my bank account and just spending it like an idiot. So those were kind of the first couple months. I would say the six months of that was structured that way. And then what was happening at the gym was, you know, the other coaches started quitting and or I'm just moving on. And even there was a clinic in the gym space that we were in. And, you know, the one Cairo that was there, he was working at two different clinics and the other clinic, he was getting more patients. So he decided to move there full time. They also had an RMT and she was just part-time and found more hours at a different clinic and moved on. And then it was just me and my two business partners at this gym. And my one business partner had an idea that, hey, maybe we should use this as an opportunity to, you know, take over the space. And, um, you know, I thought it was like, yeah, sure, that'd be awesome. But at the same time, um, I should have kind of thought about it a little bit more, maybe spoke to someone in the industry that knows a lot more in business than I do, maybe ask their opinion. But, you know, I would have been happy looking back of just paying 20% and having the freedom to move if I really wanted to. Because again, you don't know what's going to change down the road. So when my business partner suggested it, I was, wasn't against it, but, you know, at the same time, I wasn't thinking as I do now because I just know more now. And I think the best advice I can give to any coach looking to step into business, whatever you think is okay or you're not sure about, 100% go talk to somebody who is in the fitness business that's been there for a while and has experience in this and just ask them. That is going to save a lot of headaches, nerves, moods, whatever. Just it's going to help if you take the time. And, you know, when I was talking about the cliff notes of my career in that book, Essentialism, like honestly, I would 100% buy that book and read it because out of all the books I've read in the past three, four years, that's the one that always stood out to me because the basic principle of anything you do in life is that if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. So you can apply this rule into business that if a new opportunity comes and you're so unsure and you can't say hell yes, go to someone who has experience in the field and ask them. And they can give you so much more insight and then you'll be like, oh, okay, I don't know what I was thinking about. This is definite yes. Or the other where you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I almost said yes to this. So when it came time to my business partner talking to the gym owner and kind of pitching the idea of, hey, you know, we want to take over the space so that we get exclusive use and kind of run it the way we want it. And, you know, the gym owner came back and said, you know, we can definitely talk about that and structure a deal. 
So this is where a lot of stuff went over my head when I first got into the situation. And I kind of just went along with it because I just didn't know any better. So then my business partner came back and spoke to me and the other one and said that, hey, there's this is definitely a possibility. Do you guys want to keep going with this? Because, you know, X, Y, and Z. So my business partner kept bringing it up, saying that it's going to be a really good, you know, step for us. We can work um, closer together on this and build the gym that we've always wanted to. So in my head, because I've always had it in the back of my head, I'm like, I would want to open up my own gym. And thinking about it, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of like shortcutting it into owning my own gym. You know, I can hire employees. I can build a community that I really want. I can do all the stuff that I really wanted to without, you know, forking up a quarter of a million dollars to open up a sweet facility because I'm already at one. I can just take over and rebrand it. So um, I'm like, yep, let's go do it. I'm stoked. Let's, let's go on. So this is probably, you know, at the one year mark. And we come back to a position that we were placed in where we had to sign a rental contract with the previous gym owner so the easiest way that they figured was we would take over the business but not be actual business owners over the lease of the building the name on the lease would still be um on the previous owner the owner would step away have no say in the business they're just there to collect money and to pay off the lease and blah 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 which is awesome because when you think about it when you become the owner of a gym now you're responsible for the building if the roof leaks you have to deal with it if something breaks you have to deal with it in this case we were the owners without being the owners if that makes sense so they came up with an agreement where you know they thought it was fair that because we're going to be taking over have exclusive use Rather than just paying the lease, we're also going to pay the lease and repay the initial investment that the previous owner put in. This is something they don't tell you anywhere in the industry. I've not seen this. I've not seen articles written about it or anything like that. So, again, to put some context in, the previous owner got an investment of a quarter million dollars from his buddy. To open up this gym and then as the gym started generating revenue he would pay back the investment we come in we were the only coaches left and to make it fair to the gym owner walking away we would take over pay the lease along with a certain percentage every month to um, pay off the initial investment you know both sides are happy and there you go this was probably the biggest mistake because, at least in my opinion, we had an opportunity to get the rent to what we wanted. Because if it wasn't for us, that gym would have closed down. The other previous gym owner had nobody in there. It was just us three. We could have easily just found another location or just built out another location. Um... And even one of my clients that I was speaking to during this whole time, he was even saying that, you know, if it was him, he would have squeezed out every single dollar as much as possible, 
to take over. And I was like, you know, I didn't think anything of it because at that point I had no idea what we were doing. And all I wanted to do was train my clients, process payments and make a paycheck. So, you know, next thing led to another. I'm sitting in a room where I am signing a contract with witnesses and this contract was, you know, drafted up and I was like, holy shit, I'm sitting down here and I'm about to sign a contract for four years. And that was, I still don't know why I didn't like think of it again. Like what, why didn't I go reach out to somebody in the industry? Like I said earlier for anyone listening and just ask, like, is this a good idea? Is the rent too much? Blah, 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 blah. But it just moved so fast. And all I could think about is that I needed to save money because I didn't work for two months when the old gym shut down. I have a wedding coming up. I have expenses, blah, 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 blah. And the next thing I know, I'm in this contract. And when I think about it now, like, probably that next day is when shit went down the way I didn't want it. So now I'm into a contract for four years. I'm stuck there. And, you know, we took over this gym and I was really excited to um, build something special. You know, and I had this idea of hiring employees, having, you know, a lot of clients coming in and eventually being that coach where he steps off the floor and runs the business. But everything I wanted to do was always turned down. And this is where my mindset kind of shifted. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Us three business partners are not going towards the same goal. You know, like, that's another piece of advice is that if you're going to go into business with somebody, you need to sit down and actually talk about what your vision is for like 10 years down the road. What do you want to achieve? What do you want to see? And if they don't line up, then there's no point of going to business with them. And we never did that. And I think that was one of the biggest mistakes that when I look back at the whole experience, that's probably why it never worked between the three of us. You know, these are the small little things that you don't think about and they add up down the long run. So the other thing too, when you're thinking about, you know, running a business with somebody else, they need to be the complete opposite of you. If you are, you know, the coach that is so into the science and the training and is all about form and is all about everything has to be perfect but is really shitty at marketing and sales and systems and things like that then that coach should find a business partner that is the like mirror reflection to be what that coach is not so find someone who's really good at marketing and sales and personality to drive the business because now you have a coach that can focus on what they're good at and another coach that's really good with people talking and marketing and everything like that, and that business will do really well. In this case, with my business partners, we were all kind of the same. We all really focused on 
the training. We all focused on, you know, where we wanted to progress by ourselves. And we also were kind of lone wolves where we work really well alone, but we're able to get shit done. But we never had that one person in our partnership that could kind of be the glue that brought us all together to kind of rally us up and be like, hey, this is where we're going. I'm the person that's going to steer. You guys are the ones that are going to paddle. So make sure when you go into business with anybody, they are either on the same wavelength as you and they're super excited. And even at that point, be self-aware enough to know that, hey, if the fact that we are the same, are we going to be good enough to excel in whatever market that we're jumping into to actually make a living and to make a profit? Because sometimes just getting someone that's even outside um, your industry to jump in and look at it from a different angle. Like what if you hired a marketing person to do all your marketing while you do what you're good at is, which is the training. This is the stuff that you don't really see a lot online. And there's so many coaches out there that want to do well in business and work for themselves and they do it. And they're like, holy shit, I have so much stuff I need to do. I have no idea how I'm going to make enough money this month to do X, Y, and Z. So find someone that can complement what you do. Now, when I started seeing all these kind of roadblocks, as I was kind of the type of person that had this vision of, you know, helping as many people as possible, and their vision of business was completely different than mine. And I would say, you know, after four months since I signed that contract, you know, our, that's when I realized our visions were completely at the opposite spectrums. And I was like, how the hell did I end up in this situation? I ended up in a situation where I did not want to be. And then when I realized that anything I wanted to do with my business was blocked by two other people. So that's really demotivating. So anyone out there who runs their own business, who understands that being an entrepreneur is all about you know trial and error and trying new things to see what sticks and what works. And most of the time, like 99% of the time, everything you do fails anyway. And you're looking for that 1% that you do something right, it gives you results and you're like, shit, I just need to replicate that over and over again until I make some money. But now you're having this block that that 1% that's going to work is being blocked by two individuals, you get into a really dark place. And if you listen to that depression episode I did a couple weeks ago, that's what I was talking about is that I wanted to do so much more for my business and I couldn't. So I was like at a point in my life where what's the point of waking up? What's the point of, you know, getting on my laptop and writing out emails to my clients and updating their programs and creating a social media post? Like, what's the point? I'm not going anywhere. It's the same thing over and over again. And I got into a dark place in my life where I was just like, what the fuck? And 
it was a really, really, really tough place for me. And the only thing that kept me going was, you know, people are counting on me. So I cannot just turn off the alarm and just sleep and not train my clients. They've been with me forever. So I'm responsible to go and give them a good hour and ask them how their weekends were and what they did and how their kids are doing and how their husbands or spouses are doing. So that is the only thing that kept me going. And, you know, going to work and not talking to your business partners at all, like at all, other than the high and buy and then leaving was, was my life. And the only piece of, you know, work, I would call it that I really, really enjoyed was the one hour I had on my podcast because I would talk to so many individuals that kind of run their own destiny, as I call it, that are doing great things in the industry and kept talking about how they have this new book coming out or this new project they're working on or this collaborative project they're doing with another coach. And I was like, man, like I would love to do something like that but I can't. So just living in this fantasy land, imagining my life that, hey, maybe one day I could do that, but I'm going to have to wait four years to be able to do something like that because I was stuck in a contract. Now, I got to a point where I'm like, fuck, I don't know what to do. Like I was complaining every day and, you know, like thank God for my wife that would just listen to me bitch and complain and she was the one that's saying like, you know, if you find any opportunity to get out, like just take it. And, you know, I always believe that something's going to happen in your life that will give you, you know, a lifeline and you need to jump on it as quick as possible. So, you know, maybe two months after of just being in such a dark place, I was approached with an opportunity to go to another gym. So one of my clients that I trained as employees saw this huge benefit of exercise and health. And he had this vision that, you know, because of my employees that train with you are doing so well, maybe I should add a gym in my head office so then all my employees can experience the benefit. And, you know, he he was talking about opening up a gym since probably the first day that I started at this new one. And, you know, I gave him gave him some like advice of like where you should put equipment or like how big it should be and how many employees he has, how many people are going to be coming in and like foot traffic, blah, 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 blah. And then we kind of just stopped talking about it because I don't know what happened, but we just stopped, stopped chatting about it. And then he mentioned that, you know, that gym that he was thinking of, he's actually going to create it into this like wellness center where you would have a gym, a clinic, a spin room, a yoga room, and even child mining all in one spot. And people could come in and have unlimited access to all three things. Well, four if you count child mining. And he wanted me to be a part of it. I was like, well, sounds amazing, but, you know, I'm stuck in a contract. And he said, you know what, like, send it to my lawyers and see if we can do something. 
and this was the lifeline. I didn't think anything would, you know, come through it. I'm like, I'm locked in. I have no idea what I'm doing and blah, blah, blah. So the lawyers come back to me and they're like, you know, there's nothing legally binding you to stay there. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, it says right in the contract. And they're like, no. So here's another thing as a coach you need to know is that you need to take every single contract, paperwork, and send it into a lawyer just to read it through. Because there's always little things that, you know, you don't know might affect you. You want to know all the information before you step in. It's just like if you created a program for a client, you want to know the ins and outs of it before giving it to somebody, right? So I highly, highly suggest always having a lawyer, you know, on your phone to call to send some paperwork to him or her to look over. So I was like, okay, well, I have an opportunity to leave. And the only reason why is that when they were drafting up this rental contract that they didn't have a lawyer actually write it out from scratch, they wrote it themselves and then had an online lawyer skim through it to say it was good enough. Obviously, when you have a lawyer just saying it's good enough, meaning that a a full-time lawyer looking at it will find every single bit that is you know, um, wrong with it. So I was like, okay, well, I have an opportunity to leave. But at the same time, you know, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say married, but kind of loyal to my two business partners because I've knew them for so long. And I was in a place where, you know, one day I was like, no, I can't do it. I need to stay. And the other side, I was like, wait a minute, like, I got to think about myself once in a while, I need to do what's right um, for myself and for my family. Because the other thing down the road is like, I want to have a family, I want to have kids, I want to be making enough money to um, support kids. Like, out here in Vancouver, it is super, super expensive to buy a house. Like, to live downtown Vancouver, in a, like just Vancouver in general, a shitty rundown house that you could just tear down, just buying the plot of land is $1.5 million. So what are the chances of me qualifying for a mortgage to live in a house, right? So all these little things that I'm thinking about down the road is that if I am stuck in a business where I'm going to be making the exact same amount because I can't progress, what am I doing with my life? This is where, why, why in the first place, I was depressed and I was like, what's the point? So I kept going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until I finally said, you know what, I need to do something for myself and think about my family, think about my future. I'm going to go ahead and do this. And I had a very unique opportunity because, you know, at this new gym, which is Aura Fitness and Yoga, if you ever want to look them up, um, I'm I'm an employee, but I have so much freedom of everything that I want to do because my client, who is technically my boss, 
is sees the potential of what I can do. And he said that many times. He's like, you have a really good head on your shoulders and you're bound to do really great things in your career and I want to help support that. So like my role in this new company, like I train about 18 hours a week with the clients that came with me and they're the ones that have been with me since like day one, since I got into the industry. And then I do 20 hours of social media for the company. So if you look at Aura's Instagram and Facebook, everything you see there is what I've been doing. And we've seen such exceptional growth each and every month. And the reason why I got into that was that, you know, my client looked at what I was posting. Because if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, every single day you see me post minimum twice a day. And he said, you know, the fact that you're doing it so regularly, it probably would promote my business. And my client was asking me my opinion, like, do you think if we had a social media person, um, would that benefit the gym? I'm like, a hundred percent. And this is where my client is so good at business that something that he doesn't know, but knows that some other businesses are starting to do it, he pays attention to that. And then he'll ask someone in that field and be like, hey, what do you think? And then he's so open to be like, you know what? I think we should do that too. And then this is a funny story. Is that he's like, you know, if you want to start doing so, uh, social media for us, um, you know, write up a business proposal and send it to me. And I was like, all right, no problem. I'm like, what the fuck is a business proposal? So I actually had to Google how to write one I sent it to him and he was really impressed with my business proposal. I'm like, this is the first time I've ever written one. And, you know, I even in there, I had to write down how much I'm worth, what I need to buy, uh, what I need to have in order to do the job and what the industry standard is and what kind of tasks that a social media manager would have. And he was like, yep, it looks all good. And I'm really impressed with what you wrote down. And I'm really excited for you to do this. So now I was like, holy shit, like, this is a job now for me. And all I've been doing is just posting every single day with some fitness information on my own stuff. So, you know, that's the other thing is like learning how to write business proposals. Like (laughs) they don't teach you that on any website in the fitness industry on how to do so. Right. And it comes in handy. So anyway, going back to my original point, um, the other thing I do for the company is like I also run some staff meetings for the other coaches to teach them what I know from, you know, the training side. And they're so open to learning. Like I've never been in an environment where everyone's so open and happy to learn. And like the team that my client selected works so freaking well, like so freaking well. And, you know, so far so good. Like, again, I know it's a brand new shiny toy and like the the luster of it is eventually going to fade. But I don't know, like it's been really, really great. So, you know, I was at a point where I had to choose. And I finally chose that, you know, I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off and go ahead. Um, so I told my two business partners the situation. And I wanted to figure out an exit strategy for me to leave on good terms I wanted to find a replacement for me. I wanted to at least find another, you know, Cairo or massage or physio at the clinic that's going to help out the rent. But, 
shit literally hit the fan. My business partners were pissed. And they thought I was taking advantage of them because they were under the impression that I knew that the contract was not legally binding. And, you know, there's always two sides of the story. You know, some people will say that I was in the wrong. Some people say they're in the wrong. But, you know, I told them that, you know, there's no right way of approaching business partners and saying that you want to leave. The fact that I am so young, I've never dealt with anything like this. I think I dealt with it as good as I could. You know, is there a perfect way of doing it? No. Was there a better way of doing it? Probably. But I I don't know well, how to how to even do it. So we left on really, really shitty terms. And, you know, those bridges have been burned. And there's no looking back. But I'm in such a better place. I am so happy to be blessed with all the people I work with, all the clients that came with me, and all the opportunities have been coming down my pipeline. And, you know, I've never worked so hard in my life for this gym. And I think that another thing you need to realize is like sometimes being a business owner is not what you want to do. Like, it's so popular right now to be an entrepreneur, to be your own boss, to do this and this and this, but maybe you're actually not cut out to be that. Maybe you're not cut out to be, you know, the next Jeff Bezos from Amazon and create an empire. Maybe you're better off as an employee with a lot of freedom, like a business owner, by having the benefits of an employee. And this is the thing that I kind of realized is that maybe I'm not cut out to be a entrepreneur that has six different businesses that's generating half a million dollars of revenue and I'm a multimillionaire. Maybe I work for a company that generates a lot of money and I make good money myself. I have great benefits. I have this, I have that. I have all the freedom like a business owner and boom, you know, sometimes you know, like I think Gary Vaynerchuk said this, like sometimes you don't need to be the number one in the company because number 13, the 13th employee at Facebook is probably bringing in $1.5 billion and has amazing benefits, but doesn't have the headache of running the business and has all the freedom he or she wants. So really being self-aware of what you know about yourself, what your strengths and weaknesses are and applying that to business is a huge, huge thing now the other thing that i have been thinking about the last couple weeks is why did my previous business fail and i keep going back to a saying that warren buffett always says or maybe said once and i'm just saying that in my head now but he was saying that in order to do well in business is that you need to learn how to adapt to the market. In my previous business, my business partners were so against adapting to the market that it was their own demise, essentially, to a failed business, right? I was trying to get with the current, but they're the one that put up the dam to stop it. And, you know, I had to go with it. Like, I'm always about growth, always about building, and always trying new things. And 
that's just who I am. My two business partners are not like that. They're very kind of to themselves. They just want to do what they're really good at and not expand. So, you know, if it was up to me and my previous gym, we would have like three naturopaths working there. We would have a bunch of employees where to the point where we're not even paying rent anymore. We're making so much profit off different little avenues that we would be able to bring home more money and expand even further and maybe even open up a second facility. But again, their visions did not line up with mine and we kept butting heads and here I am. So there is definitely a darker side to business that people do not think about, do not read about, And you need to be really, really careful with what you sign, what you do, and where you envision yourself. So if you have an opportunity to be part of a new business, part of a new partnership, really ask yourself, like the stuff that I brought up in this episode is, you know, is your partner the opposite of you? Is your, um, you know, visions for the business line up, you know, side by side? You know, are you at a position in your life that you're young that, you know, in two years, your point of view is going to change? You know, is your business partner going to change their views too to line up with yours? Because sometimes as you grow as an individual, you're going to grow in opinions as well. So you need to be careful on that end. So I'm going to stop it there because I've been talking for a while. And hopefully this gave you some insight of how business side that people don't really talk about enough can actually basically hit the shit let, let shit hit the fan essentially so hopefully this gave you some insight some like pointers some tips and if anyone out there who is a coach that is in a position where they might be signing a contract or signing onto a new partnership or whatever and just wants to talk about you know whatever the hell they're going through to see if it sounds like a good idea like for sure hit me up i would love to chat and i'm gonna end it there and again thank you for listening to me ramble on and thank you to all my listeners around the world and hopefully next week i'll give you another ramble of information i don't know what i want to talk about yet but if you have ideas for topics let me know and i will plug away and until next week you guys we'll see you then